Hello, hello, and welcome everybody back for another episode of the Marvel Galaxy Podcast with your host truly, Evan Cormack. Got a special episode here for you today. Not sure how everything is going to sound, however, we are going to do this trial run. I tried going down to the usual place that I record everything, uh, my school library, as I don't live far from it. Um, ran into some troubles, there was a lot of traffic, I mean, it's a 15-minute drive, but it's also, like, it's 15 minutes that I could be doing something else, but then I got down there, and, like, there were roads closed, I had to, like, search for a little while to find parking, the parking was a far walk to the library, it's a lot different than when I'm in school, and I can kind of just meander on down to the library, run out their equipment, now, also, I, I do love the library that lets me run out equipment, but it's it's summer, so I don't expect them to be on tip-top shape. But I went there, and the media recording place doesn't open until 10. So I sit around for a little bit, and then like right at 10, about 10.02, still nothing, no open. I didn't know if they were in there beforehand, and maybe they opened the doors at 10, or what's going on. But nothing happened. So then I was sitting there, and I was like, wait, I have this kick-ass PC at my house. Why don't I just try to buy a microphone? I have a lot of rewards points saved up through uh, um, my one, the one store that I work at. And I was like, let me just buy an actual microphone. Let me Instead of just worrying about renting out the equipment, let me just let me see how it's going to feel or sound from my room. So we're recording from my room at my house. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's good, though, because I have enough space. I just cleared out space on my actual desk itself. Um... So the sound might be a little different. We're going to experiment with different types. So this video is going to be still how I want it to be, but it's also going to be experimental. Because obviously the room that I record at in school is a soundproof room. So you have the sound dampening walls, it's a little box, there's no noises, no windows open, it's just a silent box. So sorry if you hear any birds chirping in the background, or if you hear my PC humming in the background. Um, I definitely have not turned on my fan, so... That's not helpful on my end because it's going to get very warm in here very fast. But I also didn't want to hear a fan buzzing in the background. But looking at everything on my actual PC, having everything pulled up, very nice, very awesome. Um, I also got a good deal on the mic. So I already bought the mic. It's a Blue Yeti, so it's very professional, very sleek looking. It's black. I love it. Um, because I was debating as I was driving down to school, you know, what am I going to do for the summer in terms of episodes? Because obviously, you know, I pay like 14 bucks a month to be able to record these for you guys, uh, to be able to get my passions out into the world. And <coughs> if there's not a lot of content coming out over the summer, like, is it really worth it? Like a cost analysis kind of thing. So beings that I have a microphone now at my house, I can kind of just sit down and record whenever I want. Um, now, I don't know, based on the summer content, how often I'm going to be posting. I don't think it's going to be on a weekly basis, because I'm going on vacation next week. Um, beginning of June, I have like a week and a half vacation that I'm going on as well. So, you know, I don't think that it's going to be consistent with the uploads. But it might be one every other week, so maybe like a bi-weekly, because I still have to get through Star Wars Visions. I'll do a quick review on that. Um... Secret Invasion comes out this summer, I think. Um, oh, we also have Miles Morales, that movie. So there's, there will be content to be made, but it's just in a, in a lower quality because obviously Vision's released all at once. So instead of reviewing each individual week, I'll just do them all at once. But 
enough blabbing and enough housekeeping. I hope the audio volumes, or the audio at least, sounds good when I go to play all of this back. But without further ado, let's get into today's topic, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 Review. The movie's been out for about a week now. If you're a fan of Marvel or you're a fan of this podcast, most likely you've already seen it. Um, so no spoiler warnings other than right now. I'm going to be talking about the movie outright. Um, I'm going to be talking about whatever I feel is necessary. I don't know how long of an episode this is going to be, and here's why. Normally, or at least in the past, for these movies and TV shows from Marvel, there is a lot to critique. There's a lot to be happy about, and there's a lot to theorize about, but there's also a lot to critique. And what I love most about this movie I honestly, now granted, I might go see it a second time just to be sure, I honestly have nothing to critique. I watched the entire movie. Now granted, my emotions weren't on high for that movie just because I saw the movie really late at night, like 10, 30, 11 o'clock, just because that's what all that was available at my theater that I went to. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I sobbed my eyes out. It did make me tear up. I can definitely see there are moments where, oh, this makes sense that someone would just be sitting there bawling their eyes out because it was an emotional movie. Like, this was crazy. So what I want to get into first is is just how James Gunn really captured everything, right? One of the main pluses of the movie is it felt like a fitting end to his trilogy. This was James Gunn wanted it to end this way. James Gunn wanted it to happen the way that it did. He didn't take any flack from, you know, Kevin Feige or Disney. He told it the way that he wanted to. And he went into the filming process being like, I'm going to put stuff in. It might get taken out. Just trust in the process. Um, And we see that as a prime example for one of the lesser plots, but I just feel like it's very cool. Uh, Star-Lord getting to say the MCU's first F-bomb which was absolutely hilarious. Um, James Gunn in an interview said it was never planned. He just told Chris Pratt, he said, go ahead, say it. And he was expecting Kevin Feige to take it out. Kevin Feige did not. So it was perfectly placed. It didn't seem forced. It wasn't like it was in a main part of the movie and he just used an F-bomb to use it. It was just like Star-Lord was trying to get to a high evolutionary and he was just pissed and he wanted never to get in the door. Um... So that was pretty amazing to hear. Um, and I think that is the reason Kevin Feige probably didn't say no, get this out of the movie. It's PG-13 is A, obviously you're allowed one F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. But furthermore, I think we're going to start seeing that in movies. So what I mean by this is we saw it in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. It was very gory, a lot of blood, you know, some dismemberment and stuff like that. But I think we're going to start seeing that more. Dismemberment, F-bombs, more swearing. Like There was a decent amount of swearing in Guardians of the Galaxy. I was pretty surprised, to be honest. I mean, there has been in the past, but it was like this movie felt a little bit more like pushing those PG-13 limits. You know, if I found like someone had a booklet of like, these are the words you're allowed to say in a PG-13 movie, and you kind of just went with it, which was absolutely amazing to see. It's We're getting prepared for Deadpool. That's, that's that's all we're getting at here is we're getting prepared for Deadpool because you know Ryan Reynolds won't hold back. Ryan Reynolds is going to go after everyone. And obviously it's going to be rated R. It's probably going to be the MCU's first rated R movie. But 
it's just all interesting and it's new territory and it's territory that I hope the MCU keeps trying to explore. I think that Multiverse of Madness would have been much better if they would have kept one of the first cuts of the movie and maybe pushed it to a rated R, but not necessarily for swearing or any kind of like other themes besides that it's just going to be very, very gory. All right, Sam Raimi wanted the movie to be very gory, and we didn't get that. We got whatever the hell it was we got last year. I don't really know. But it would have been neat to see them push out a rated R movie, but it not be swearing. But I feel like we might see that in a couple more shows. Um, Maybe in The Secret Evasion, Samuel L. Jackson might drop an F-bomb. We all thought he was going to get the first one. But, nope, Star-Lord takes the cake on that one. But overall, it was an amazing movie because it picked up right where the Christmas special kind of left off. But you also really didn't need to see the Christmas special. You kind of just knew from Endgame that they took over the Celestial Head. They were living there. Um, It was kind of just them, you know out and about on the town, which I really love to see. Um, And then I like that Adam Warlock kind of went after them. It was a good carryover from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Like, he didn't leave anything out. It wasn't like the High Evolutionary just randomly was like, I want a rocket, or or was it 8913B, or something like that? 8913P, there we go. It was that. Uh, Like, he didn't start just attacking them randomly. Um, I liked it. I liked the power scaling that they did. Um, If there was one thing I were to complain about for the movie, it would certainly be Adam Warlock's underpower. But here's what makes James Gunn's movie so amazing. In that, literally his mother told the High Evolutionary, you brought him out of his incubation too soon. He's not yet ready. So there's problem. Adam Warlock is underpowered. Kind of an idiot. Really doesn't beat the shit out of people like we thought he was going to. Solution? Oh, High Evolutionary took him out of his little chamber that he was in. If he would have been in longer, he would have been the Adam Warlock that we wanted to kind of get. But instead of discussing around the little bits and pieces of the movie, let's kind of just go over a whole overview of the actual film itself. So we see Star-Lord in a rough place throughout most of the movie. He's a drunkard. He just can't still get over the fact that he's lost Gamora. Because if you think about it, he literally lost everyone in his life. Mom from a young age, dad, you know, Thanos took everyone from him, um, losing some friends to Thanos, and everyone close to him, it seems, gets hurt in some sort of fashion. So we see Rocket kind of opening the movie, which was a really nice touch uh, using Peter's Zoom that he got at the end of the last movie. Uh, it was a nice touch seeing, like, oh, this story is going to be about Rocket. Like, it op- the movie opened up with Rocket singing, and it was very cool. Um, it was one of those things where it's like it's just a, such, a, such a touching scene. It's how they open all of their movies. But it's just that parallel as fans where you're like, oh, this is going to hurt. <laughs> like Rocket is just singing softly. You see that character progression. You're like, ah, this one's going to sting. And then we see Nebula have to carry uh, Peter. And it seems like Nebula's been taking care of him. Everyone think there might be something secretive going on. And who knows? I think it's just Nebula feeling for Peter, right? Like, she knows what it's like to kind of be all in on someone and then just be completely blindsided and or focused on something else. As she was with Gamora, granted her intentions were just to beat her, but deep down, as we find out in Volume 2 and through Infinity War, she just wanted a sister. But she thought that Gamora was only there to try to best her and try to make her suffer. 
So she kind of has been in Peter's shoes, and ironically, it just so happens to be him wanting Gamora, um, where she really just wants Peter to realize that he can kind of move on, but she also understands that he probably won't. He probably won't push himself. So that's kind of a whole section of the movie to whereas him and Gamora are kind of thought everything else out. Like, it kind of flushes everything out. And there were moments in the movie where I hated Gamora. Like, I hated Gamora. And it made me hate James Gunn for not giving me that happy, satisfying ending for Star-Lord. Like, Gamora was just like, I'm not that Gamora that you knew. She was, like, sassy and she was, like, bitchy towards Peter. But it was also, like... Peter, stop being a lovesick puppy. Just be like, be growing about it. And we see Peter hurting. But then there were cute moments where it's like he flirted with Ura. And he was like, watch this, Gamora. And you saw smirks of that where Gamora was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you kind of got those vibes of like, eh, maybe I do kind of like you a little bit. Um, and then you have the whole situation with Gamora and Groot. And her not understanding a word that he says. And she's like, what is this talking tree doing? Meanwhile, she was like always there for Groot. So it was one of those things where it's like Peter's suffering. But we saw in little bits and pieces that just everyone in the crew was suffering from the loss of Gamora. And as a fan, it sucked. But I also understand that uh, Zoe, the actress, said that she didn't really want a huge part in this movie. Because she is done a lot. She got the first two Guardians movies, Infinity War and Endgame she was a main part of, Avatars like one through five, I think. I swear I saw somewhere that said that they already wrote the script for all these. But nonetheless, she had a lesser role. It was interesting seeing her as a scavenger, kind of like as she was replacing Peter. And then she was like, you don't know anything about this life. And he's like, listen, I'm the OG. I did like when Nebula kind of stepped in and saved him when Peter was being like a little baby and she was just about to start kicking his ass. Um, that was interesting. It showed that Nebula has grown to care about Peter and grown to care what Peter has done for her. Um, but furthermore, the main kind of juice of the story was Rocket getting hurt, them finding out, hey, Rocket really told us nothing about his past. What is this thing like in his body? And then we just get bombarded with flashback sequences as well as right now sequences of how disgusting the high evolutionary was. Um, we see flashbacks of Rocket just being a little baby raccoon. Oh my gosh, that was heartbreaking. Just seeing a little grouping of baby raccoons just staring at the camera. James Gunn knew what he was doing, right? He knew what he was doing. And just seeing all of those baby raccoons kind of there and then getting picked... And then just the montages. I mean, if you saw the movie, I don't really need to go into every little detail about it, but seeing him, like, training with High Evolutionary to where he kind of took, uh, you know, a liking to him of sorts and started making him talk, and then he was just, like, Rocket at first when he could talk, he was just, like, in pain, and then him learning about the, like, that little montage where he was drawing equations on the board and solving them. He, Rocket was absolutely brilliant and high evolutionary loved it it was almost like he was his favorite child and then he kind of is like hey rocket look we're trying to make the perfect society you know we want to make the perfect society of animals not people but we're making them we're making them too aggressive i feel like so how about we do this is there any solution that you can maybe think of and he's just like in his baby voice he like mentions the substance that is making them um too aggressive 
and then High Evolutionary kind of changes everything and just starts to hate Rocket and despise him. And I believe that's because he viewed himself as a type of god. He created Rocket, so therefore he should be better than him. He should be more intellectual. He couldn't figure out what was making them go so apeshit, but here's Rocket, his creation, a lesser being than he is, and Rocket figured it out. Figured it out right away. And then we see... Um, Rocket and his friends, mostly with Lila, Floor, and ah, I forget what the walrus's name was, but the walrus in a wheelchair. Um, we just get them imagining what the new world will be like. And in the back of our minds, you're like, I don't think he's going to include most of you. Because it was a rabbit who was adorable, a little annoying at times, but adorable. But it had like mechanical arms, same with Lila. And then there was a walrus in a wheelchair. Like Rocket was the only one that was kind of normal out of the bunch. And it was interesting seeing them kind of go through the process of becoming best friends, imagining what the world's going to be like, and Rocket just being like, I'm going to fly us out of here one of these days. We're going to see the new world, sky. Um, like calling, like being like, oh, the sky, we're going to see the sky. And then finding out High Evolutionary's plans and finding out that 80, batch 89 was actually just the test group that he's taking all of the perfections that they brought and putting it towards batch i believe it was like 90 um to get the perfect society um so that was when the heartbreak kind of started right rocket lost everyone there was a montage where we finally see what happened to high evolutionary why his face looks like that because he took everyone from rocket they, you know, Rocket was trying to escape um, on the day that he was set to execute the, his friends, and Rocket escapes, and then all of his friends get shot, and he kind of just get a scene of Rocket staring there, just screaming and crying, and then High Evolutionary just makes fun of him. The, the actor that played High Evolutionary, brilliant, brilliant actor, but you get this um, kind of scene where Rocket is just crying, and... It's so heartbreaking because in that moment, you just, he lost everything. He lost the only friends that he ever knew, the only family that he had ever any recollection of, the only people on the entire planet that are just like him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was the only people that he could relate to, and they're all gone. But it was nice to see Rocket kind of get really angry and just kind of rip High Evolutionary's face to shreds. Um, it was amazing to see because high evolutionary deserved it it was terrible to rocket terrible terrible person but we see rocket then escape and then we kind of get all caught back up and then we have some interesting scenes between mantis and drax kind of going through everything um i, I don't know if everyone else got the same vibe but i got a little hints of like a not a relationship kind of a relationship but also like a very very deep personal friendship because they're probably the two most misunderstood of the group but it also seems like they have a certain level of understanding towards each other um now it was very interesting to see like kind of the whole rescue mission like them getting trapped on the high evolutionary ship then rocket or then star lord and groot escape but then nebula drax and mantis kind of go back in and this whole dynamic between them and trying to get back and i loved the little banters between them as well while they were on counter earth trying to figure out everything that was you know going right and then like i said adam warlock coming back for revenge that was a heartbreaking scene kind of seeing his mother kind of 
parish and how high evolutionary treated the sovereignty but it was also nice to see them redeem adam warlock kind of later on in the movie but we'll get that to that here shortly because there's not really much to talk about because like like there's obviously things to dive into but with this movie it's like final battle scene was fantastic we probably got one of the best end battle sequences with that little hallway scene where the guardians are finally all reunited and he's like let's just all kick some ass together let's free these people you get the scene with the children and we finally get to see drax's full character development in terms of wow he speaks their language like he's guiding these children he's nebula says he's not meant to be drax the destroyer he's meant to be a father and thanos robbed him of that which is how he kind of turned into this Drax the Destroyer type of person. And it was just something interesting to kind of see towards the end. Um, but there was, it was the perfect, this movie was the perfect balance between funny, you know, comical, like we'll make you laugh out loud. My theater laughed out loud a couple of times for sure. But it's also going to make you sit there and be like, oh, I hurt. I hurt watching this movie and the Guardians are going to be no more after this. So it's almost like you sitting there, you're just cherishing kind of what you get from this movie exactly. So it was just, it was all around an amazing movie to see. And this, this movie, it deserves, I think it's 10 out of 10s. I think it's 10 out of 10s all the way around because you had a perfect villain in High Evolutionary. I know the actor's name, I just don't want to mispronounce it, but you guys know exactly who I'm talking about. He also played a character in Peacemaker, did amazing there. He has been fantastic, this movie. Some people are saying, obviously, with all of the things that are going on with Jonathan Majors, again, innocent until proven guilty, but still, um, that he would have made a better Kang. I don't necessarily know what people mean by that. I don't know if they mean replace the actor with Jonathan Majors, or if they mean High Evolutionary being the next big bad instead of Kang. I think they mean swap actors, which, I don't know, I feel like Kane does, or Kang, or, oh my god, Majors does a really good job of being Kang. It's just, you know, we have to wait and see what happens in kind of his off-the-screen situation that he's got going on right now. But, nonetheless, it has an amazing villain wonderful storytelling character development this wraps up his trilogy right that like this movie was pure perfection like like i said the only problem that i could see on my first kind of run through was adam warlock being underused or underpowered but then they covered that they were like it's high evolutionary's fault you took him out of his chamber had he been into the chamber until done he'd have been such a badass and I, and I do believe that because I know what Adam Warlock's powers are supposed to be like. Now, furthermore, it was just all around. It was all the loose ends were just tied up. Everything was kind of beautiful. Uh, Star-Lord was just sick and tired of big bad villains. Um, he was feeling kind of empty inside. And he didn't really know where to put that. And he relied on his family that he made with um, the guardians to try and help him guide it through there but it was also amazing to see like the guardians have his back everyone was so concerned with rocket and through the first two movies it's like oh they went from all bickering back and forth trying to be the bigger person to where peter was doing everything in his power to keep rocket alive and when they finally got the codes and they weren't working and peter was crying and gamora was like oh wow like this we even saw character development from gamora she realized how much rocket meant to everyone there and decided to try and save him as best she could um 
then the ending was just really, really special. It was really silly, but also really special. Um, I liked the final flashback of Rocket finally going back to beat High Evolutionary and just finally getting the better of him and saving all of his people, all of the little animal friends that Evolutionary ex experimented on. And we finally get the little Easter egg of him just looking and seeing his crate and we get that little pause, and then he pans up to the plaque, and it says that he's from North America, and that he is, in fact, a raccoon. And then I like it when he's going back and forth with High Evolutionary, and he's just like, because I'm Rocket. Rocket Raccoon. And he finally kind of acknowledges what everyone told him all along. Um, it was just really funny, because everyone... It was just the ongoing joke for Guardians, no matter where you are. They're called, like, a raccoon. I'm not a raccoon! And then he finally realizes that, yes, in fact, he is a raccoon. Um, but yeah, so that was amazing. And then the kind of ending scene really caught me off guard in the theater because it was like, everything's going well. Everything's going a little too well. And then all of a sudden, we realized that Peter forgot his Zoom and he went back to get it on the already sinking ship once everyone got done. And then he freezes out in space and we get Adam Warlock that saves him because the Guardian saved him because everyone deserves a second chance. Beautiful. Beautiful. It was amazing. And then they saved everyone. I like that they got interactions with Cosmos. I like that the guy that took over for Yondu with his little head thing kind of also saved the day on their celestial head. And it's like they had a final battle scene, but so did the Guardians on the ship. Beautiful. It was perfect. So good. And High Evolutionary wasn't like he's underpowered right he had his bodysuit after uh rocket ripped his face off and it was just it was amazing to see kind of everything and then the ending to where it's like adam warlock saves him and star lord's like wow i almost just died but you know here we are and then the last like 10 minutes of the movie really just it brings a happy tear to your eye because you're just like it's it's over guardians of the galaxy is is it's over it's come to an end, it's closed, etc. And we first get a scene where we have Gamora finally understand Groot, which was wild to see because it's like, my initial thought was, has she been faking it the whole time? Does she remember everything with her and Quill? Or is this just she knew what Groot was saying, but to keep the act up, she pretended like she didn't know what he was saying. Um, and that was kind of, that's like the only theory of the movie. I think it's more or less she just tried to pretend she didn't want anything to do with the Guardians, but now she kind of warmed up to them. So she's like, yes, I understand you, Groot. And then we get a moment where the Guardians are sitting together and they're just like, it's time to, like Rocket's finally back. He's like, all right, guys, what's our next adventure? And Star-Lord's like, I have to go find my family. I've lost pretty much everyone. So I'm going to go revisit my grandpa. And then Mantis is like, I've always done everything for other people. I need to do something for myself. And then Drax is also like, hey, I got to do my own thing too. So then it's kind of just Nebula, Rocket, Groot. And they're like, oh, okay, that's fun. Um, and the Guardians all go their separate ways. And then they just kind of have a moment together. And then there's just like them saying, I love you. And then Groot just says... I love you guys. And as an audience, I gra I gasped. I was like, holy shit. It's wild. And then it later got le like told that it wasn't that Groot finally spoke human words. 
It was that we've been with the Guardians on this long adventure through the first two movies, through all of the Infinity War Endgame stuff, that we finally understand Groot. We speak Groot. I thought that was a beautiful touch. Beautiful touch on the movie as a whole. And then we kind of wrap it up with Peter going to visit his grandparents uh, or his grandpa, and they kind of click right away. He's kind of having his normal human life. And then we get the end credit scene with the new look Guardians of the Galaxy. I can't necessarily remember if Nebula was in there or not. However, like I can't remember if she went her own separate way or if she is still with the Guardians. And then Rocket is the captain. Rocket's the leader. We see a much more mature, mature huge Groot. We see Adam Warlock, one of the kids they picked up, um, the replacement for Yondu, and it's the new look of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And they say then you know the new guardians, uh, the guardians of the galaxy will return or something like that. So this isn't the last we've seen of the guardians of the galaxy, but it's the last we've seen of James Gunn's guardians of the galaxy. So I hope whatever they do next with these characters, I don't think we'll see them for a while. I think they only put that in there because we know we're going to see them for the next Avengers movie, whether it be uh, Secret Wars or you know something else king dynasty we're gonna see them again and this and we need to prepare ourselves because this is the look that we're going to see uh furthermore we have star lord back on earth enjoying his life and it's just a white screen that says the legendary star lord will return so what people are thinking there's a comic run where it's the legendary star lord and it's just him going on his own little adventures we expect to probably see that in the next movie maybe a tv show i don't think chris pratt will do a tv show though he, he did say he's open to coming back as star lord though which is absolutely fantastic um so that's pretty cool uh we're definitely gonna see star lord again again might be the same thing as like ooh, he comes back for secret wars or like king dynasty and then after that he kind of gets his own stuff but james gunn really knocked it out of the park with this one uh, this movie was perfect end to end. I like I said, I've said it so many times throughout this episode. I loved it. I think it's a top ten MCU movie. I mean, it. The only like so there have been downsides to it. So people are like, oh, it didn't connect anything. That's one of my favorite things about the movie. It didn't connect anything because it wasn't trying to. We all, we got all we needed to know. Star Lord and the Guardians will technically return at some point, but Gamora, Drax, maybe Mantis are all done. Right, we, we know our new group of Guardians, to, if they come back, this is where we'll see them, and we know Star-Lord will also probably check in with them at some point, but will also kind of go off and do his own thing. Maybe now that he's on Earth with his grandparents, maybe he'll become one of Earth's heroes. Maybe Star-Lord will kind of join the Avengers instead of going back to the Guardians, because he kind of said, like, this is Rocket's team. Maybe he'll spend some time on Earth, learn to care about them, start to protect it right because he spent all of his life protecting the galaxy maybe it's time to protect his home world could be an interesting theory to kind of go over but if james gunn brings this type of energy for this trilogy that he like if he brings that to dc i'm scared i'm scared as a marvel fan i'm not scared as a superhero fan because i'll watch dc marvel i don't care but i know if james gunn brings this to the dc eu it's gonna be hard for marvel because they don't like to do what they let James Gunn do and let the director kind of be the director, you know, not overrun his final say, make him rewrite the script 20, 30 times. It was beautiful. If Marvel made mo more movies like this, Marvel would just 
be how it was before phase four and just knock it out of the park every single time I step in that theater. I, I, I mean, I will admit I'm a Marvel fanboy, and I don't think Marvel has fell off, nor will it fall off, but phase four was obviously weak. This... I, I don't understand. It's just wild to me, and I saw a lot of this online, how you go from Ant-Man and Wasp and the Quantumania to this. Because, like, it was the, the Ant-Man movie was mid. It was like there was nothing crazy about it. It wasn't like complete dog water, but it wasn't. Like, it was like a 7 out of 10. This was a 10 out of 10. Maybe a 9.5 if you want to count, like, that no movie deserves a 10. But... I mean, MCU is back on top after this. I mean, we'll see how Secret Invasion goes. We'll see how the Flash movie goes. Got Spider-Verse, even though that really doesn't count as MCU, although they did mention Tom Holland. But, yeah, I, th I think if James Gunn brings this kind of energy towards the DCEU, Marvel might be in trouble. But that might be a separate video now that we have two movies in Phase 5 that I do later on in the summer after, like, Secret Invasion, seeing where Marvel is now after they've released a terrible project and one of the best projects since Endgame. I would definitely agree. I don't know if it's the best project since Endgame. I would say it's the best project since No Way Home. Uh, so I strongly believe that. But that's about all I got for today's episode, guys. Um, again, the.marvelgalaxy on Instagram if you want to keep up to date. I might start posting some more on there, some different updates, some more minor reviews if I don't feel like doing a full-on episode for certain things. Um, and then, like I said at the beginning of the episode, you're going to be getting like a bi-weekly, maybe even tri-weekly. Like, you're going to get episodes over the summer for sure. There's definitely things to cover. There's never not things to cover with Marvel. I just don't know how often I'm going to be pumping out these episodes. It's probably going to be whenever I have time or if I'm bored or if an idea pops in my head, but... Just stay tuned kind of for all the adjustments coming forward, and I look forward to making some more episodes over the summer for you guys, and that's about all I got. Follow the Instagram, look up my TikTok, and have a good one, ladies and gentlemen.